Our reading for today is on Luke chapter 1, from verse 26 to 56. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Well, good evening, folks. It's great to be here. Great to see you here. Um, we are actually jumping straight into Christmas, obviously. Uh, everyone's talking about Christmas, so why, why don't we? I mean, let's jump on the bandwagon. 
Uh, we haven't quite got there before John Lewis, but then we would have had to start back in mid-October. Um, kids are going to go out uh, to their groups, um, so Nina is going to give you a prize if you're wearing a Christ- Christmas jumper. <laughs> she just found out about that. Um, have a look at this picture on the screen. This featured in the news fairly recently. Uh, this is a young chap, uh, very audacious. Um, he, he just thought, stuff this, I need a job. And I'm going to go and I'm going to stand uh, outside the tube stop at Canary Wharf and uh, have his little billboard and say, look, uh, this, is, this is me, um, do you want to hire me? Um, and, uh, and he got a job. He got a pretty good job, actually, a, a dream job. Um, and it was really unexpected, as in... I'm not sure even he thought he was going to be that, uh, that was going to happen on that day. Um, so it was a, a really big deal. It was really make or break for him. Uh, but he was relatively, uh, like, unremarkable. He was just like an, another bloke, another um, graduate in business. I mean, how many people do business and then don't find a job? He's just another bloke, another guy off the underground unremarkable, in an unremarkable place on the edge of the street, and someone says, I've got a job for you. And you've got to have that picture in mind, really, when we come to uh, the story of Mary and the job that she was given to do. Because the first thing we need to see is that Mary is very unimpressive. And she's from an unremarkable place. Uh, It's a bit like saying, you know, old John from down in, you know, Barking. You know, how many Johns would there be in Barking? Or how many Marys would there be in Beckentry? You know, come on. It's pretty, it's pretty uh, bog standard. And um, we're going to have the next screen. Um, but she gets this message, and it's the boy to be born of a virgin will be the son of God. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But if you think about it, um, in Luke 1, there is far better candidates for this amazing message, for this amazing job. Um, there's a guy called Zechariah with his wife Elizabeth, and that, that could have been a better option because he was an old man, you know, he was wise, uh, trusted God, very respected in the community, had a great job in the temple, a really religious man, and yet he, his wife doesn't get the dream job. Who gets the dream job? It's Mary. And she is a teenager. And she's, she's actually not yet married. So this is going to be a scandal even. If she gets pregnant, everyone's going to be talking. You know, Mary, you know what they're going to say about her. Um, And in a society where actually it was more serious than that, um, you could get uh, thrown in prison for for adultery, and you could even be put to death. So this is a real scandal to hit the news line. It's an unremarkable place. I think um, there's this quote in John chapter 1, the first mention that a guy called Nathaniel gets about this uh, guy called Jesus from Nazareth. He says it like someone from Dagnum Mites, okay? He says, Nazareth? What good can come from Nazareth? That's where Mary's from. Oh, that's where they are when Mary gets this promise. So this is an unremarkable place, a pretty, a pretty downbeat place with a pretty un- unremarkable girl. And the message comes in from the angel. Now, you've got to ask the question, why? Why would such a crucial, crucially important message, why would such a, an amazingly prestigious role be given to such a weak 
nobody. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It's a bit like that guy with the job. You think, why would you give such an important job to, to him? And you might ask the same question to Mary. You might say, why? Why is God doing it like this? If it really is, like we said, the virgin will um, have a boy and he will be the son of God. Why is it given to Mary? Well, I think it is two reasons. The first is to make it unmissable. It's actually the opposite of what you think. To make it unmissable because the promises, I'll read to you just one from Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labour has given birth, and the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Bethlehem would be the place where the ruler was born. This king forever would be born in Bethlehem. And so in this obscure place, you find that actually this lady, it all fits with what has been foretold, okay? Everything fits with what the promises are. So what God is doing here is he's trying to make it unmissable. He's trying to say, look, it has to be this one and it has to be this promise. So it's unmissable. But the other thing is he's making it unmistakably him. Because if you think about it, if Mary had been an experienced mother, everyone could have said, oh, you know, so good, wasn't it? Such a great thing that such an experienced mother was on hand because otherwise this would have gone belly up. Good job Mary was there to save the day. But no, they won't be able to say that, will they? No one could say, oh, Mary was qualified. (laughs) No one could say that she was uh, able or that she actually did something to contribute to this. They would have to say, well, it's God, isn't it? God's done everything and it is him that's doing this. So the glory is going to go to God. Uh, Welcome. Come on in, Joe. So, the question is, if it's unmissable, and if it is God showing what he's doing, then the question is, have you looked into it? Have you actually considered it? Because this is the kind of thing that we can think, oh, well, that's just Christmas, and we can just jump on and get on with our lives. But actually, it is pretty extraordinary, and we're going to think about it together tonight. Have you actually considered it, what this is and why it's here? Uh, The surprise carries on, and it carries on in the next few verses of Luke. So let's look at them uh, together Um, in Luke, if you go on to the next slide. Uh, 26 to 33. Chapter 1, verse 26 to 33. If you thought that that was surprising, the person and the place will just check out the message that Mary receives. In verse 28... The message is this. Greetings, O favoured one. The Lord is with you. And it carries on in verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. 
and his, of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, I know if you're fairly new to church, some of those names won't really mean anything to you. Jacob, David, uh, all of these things, son of the most high. We're going to have a think about those in just a moment. But the message is pretty remarkable. Um, if you could put it up on the screen, all of them. What the angel says, in essence, is this. The angel says, hey, the baby that was coming to the other couple, the older couple, is going to be a, 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 have an important job. But Jesus is going to have an even more important job. That's what it says in verse 32. It says, he will be called son of the most high. Now, you don't need me to tell you what most high means. Who's it referring to? God. So in essence, he's saying son of God. That's a title given to Jesus right from the word go. If you look in verse um, 76 of chapter, chapter 2, which is just over the page, John is, only, is called the prophet of the Most High by his dad. He says that John will be called the prophet of the Most High. So you can cross out prophet for Jesus and you can say, actually, no, son. He's going to be son of the Most High. Um, David was actually a king. He was a good king. He was the best king, really, in the history of Israel and God's people. And yet, it's been years. It's been decades since David ruled and since his kingdom. It was a good kingdom, but it didn't last. And so what uh, the angel says is that David was great. Everyone knows that David was great. The amount of things that God accomplished through him. But Jesus is going to be greater. And he says that in verse 33. He says, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. A king who's going to reign forever. He's not going to have to give it over to someone else. He's not going to snuff it and then it's all going to come crumbling down. This is going to be a king who's eternal. So the shoes are pretty big. The angel is describing someone here, and it has to be someone special. And he's saying that this is actually what Jesus is going to do. And if you needed anything else to say that this is out of the ordinary, and what about verse 35? Mary asked the obvious question, right? You've got you to love the Bible. It's just so sort of matter of fact. Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Of course you've got to ask that question, isn't it? I mean, any of us would ask that question. Uh, she's not unbelieving here, by the way. She's just asking, how is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? And she knows it's not going to happen by the normal means. Yeah? It can't happen by the normal means. She's, she's a virgin. Um, verse 35, basically, the angel says, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Most High God is going to do this. So God can do this. And he is going to do it. And so... With, with Elizabeth and with Zechariah, George mentioned that she was barren. Um, it's medically improbable for her to have a baby, but it's not impossible. That was a sign of God, but this is impossible. <laughs> like, this can only be a miracle for this for the virgin to conceive. I won't go into all the gory details for the boys in the room, okay? It's medically impossible for her to conceive. So really... This is a remarkable thing. And, and, and what Luke is describing here is something that is not bland. Okay? You have to have an opinion about it. 
is either going to be an opinion that says, well, this is just ridiculous, right, everyone's checked out with reality here, um, but I'm going to say, no, this, is, this, is, this cannot possibly happen. Or you have to consider it and see what Mary saw, herself saw, by the way, that this was exactly what God had promised. And this is true. Um, we'll have a look at that in just a moment. So Jesus is going to be this great one. He is going to have a kingdom that will never end. Uh, he is the eternal king. And the conception is going to be even more remarkable. Um, but it's interesting, and we'll get on to this last point. I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish with this. Um, it's interesting that Mary is described as being blessed. The word is just favoured, okay, by God. And, and you've got to agree with that, haven't you? Because she's been given this amazing responsibility that's way beyond her. It's got to be God's grace, isn't it, that he gives her this this, this task. He involves her in this way. Blessed is the one who gave him birth, is what people are saying about her. Um, so we read that bit when, when Elizabeth comes to her um, in verse 42 of chapter, two, uh, chapter 1. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then Mary herself says later on uh, in verse um, 48, For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. So everyone's going to be saying, oh, Mary was obviously blessed, favoured by God to do this. But get this, it is far more blessed not to conceive the Son of God, but to believe in the Son of God. It's far more blessed not to conceive the Son of God, but to believe in him. You look down in um, uh, verse 45. Elizabeth says, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfilment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Um, and then uh, it says, yeah, and then uh, jo- uh, Luke himself says, if we pop the next quote up on the screen. This is a quote uh, of Jesus himself later on in the gospel in chapter 11. This woman comes out and this is the bit where I, I, pro- I forewarned the boys in the room, okay? I said, we are going to have a Bible reading with the word breasts in, okay? Just, just prepare you for that. Um, this woman comes out of the crowd and she said, blessed is the womb that bore you and, ble- and the breasts at which, uh, which you nursed. And then Jesus' reply is this. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So when Jesus himself, people were saying, your mum is blessed. Even the, the fruit... Uh, the, the breast at which you nursed are blessed. And Jesus says, no. More blessed. Well, he says, yes, blessed. But more blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So this is the big thing. What Luke wants us to do with this is to believe. And he says that if God so works in your heart for you to see that this is true and to, to believe in it, And if you ask him for that and he grants you that, then you have the best blessing, the biggest blessing, far more than even if you were to be the one to to carry the son of God in your womb. Yeah, actually, there is a bigger blessing on offer here. And, 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 And Mary is commended, isn't she, by that she believed or it's just spoken of her that that she believed And that that was the bigger blessing. 
Um, so that is something that we can consider for ourselves. And I think it's something that we need to be humble to ask God for because it's true, isn't it, that we tend to think that we know already and that we don't need God to tell us what's true. That we sort of have figured it all out already so God can just basically tell us that we were right. He doesn't need to tell us anything new. He doesn't need to um, change our, our mind on things. But have a look at um, Mary's song in verse 46. We read it earlier on today. Mary herself says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, that's her, from, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary rejoices because God has done a great thing for her. But she doesn't stop there. What she says in verse 50 is that his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So Mary herself is standing there saying, the effects of this thing that's happened to me is not just on me. The ramifications, the consequences of this are going to echo throughout history to every generation. And he says that the mer- she says that the mercy, God's mercy, is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So the blessing of this true son who has come into the world and the truth about him and belief in him is going to be for all people, even people today. But there is a comment, isn't there, in verse 51? And it's just worth hearing the flip side of that. Because I think this is the thing that really is the rub, okay? It says in verse 51, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. What God has done is so unusual, so unexpected, that if we say, oh, it's just foolishness, it's rubbish, God, what you've done is is ridiculous and it's not worth me considering, then that is him scattering the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. So there is a spiritual thing going on here. To say, God, I'm just not, I, I, I don't want anything to do with that, that's rubbish, is to, to have pride in the thoughts of our hearts. To say, I don't want God to tell me what he's doing. I'm much more interested in what I'm doing in the world rather than what he's doing. And God, by putting it in such a way as such, it is unmissable, but it is all about him. We either see that it is all about him and we delight that he is the God who is doing these great things in the world and we rejoice and we praise him because he is the one who deserves all the glory. Or we say, I want all the glory, God. I want all the glory. And so I'm not willing to yield any of that to you. And that is proud. It's profoundly proud to stand in front of your maker and say, I want the glory for me. I'm not going to give you any of it. So I just raise that as a thought for you. As you consider these things, um, be honest with yourself, be honest with God. It's always great to be honest before God and to say, you know what? I probably did have pride in the thoughts of my heart coming coming into this evening, maybe, about myself, about, about Christmas. I guess I probably thought I knew what this was all about. Um, But I don't want to stay proud. I need you to humble me. 
And I need you to help me to see, to believe what you have said about your son. I need you to help me to believe what you have said about your son. You might not go any further than that, okay? You might not go any further than saying, God, I need you to help me to believe what you have said about your son. And there might be questions you've got about that. But that is actually a humble response, isn't it? To say, I need you to help me to understand this, God. I need you to help me to believe. It's not saying I need someone else to twist my arm about this. It's going straight to the source, going straight to him. If he said these things, God, if these are true, would you help me to believe them? Would you show me that they're true? That is a really good thing to pray if you want to do that. Um, Eddie has come up, so he obviously thinks I should uh, call it a day. Um, Let's let's pray. Um, Let's pray together. Father God, it is in our eyes, in the world's eyes, ridiculous for you to put such a glorious thing, uh, important job, important person in the hands of such weakness. And yet because it is so unusual and so remarkable, we can see that it has your fingerprints. We wouldn't think this up, but you have. And you have promised that this would be the case. But because it's so unremarkable, Lord, we know that we can, over- we can so easily overlook it. Um, we pray that you would um, humble us, that we would believe, that we would be called blessed because we have believed that there is a fulfilment of what was spoken by you. And we've got questions. We pray that we would be willing to come to you with those questions, to come to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.